Excuse me. Yeah, right, right, right. So we're not trying to work out how you ended up out out of uh, right into New York. Yeah, you get you. So you leave Chicago, you dropped out because it, it was Evanston. It was yeah, it was too much fun. I couldn't justify paying it, and I went back to Kansas City and got a gig, my first gig that wasn't with like my father. Like I mean, I I played lots of gigs without him, but first regular gig, real gig, mm-hmm. it's like five nights a week. At the Baghdad Lounge, which uh-huh. was like a total notorious mafia bar, okay. and, and I got to know those guys. It was it was hilarious. Uh-huh. I mean, if I didn't know what they were doing, yeah. I mean, this guy used to come in every every time he came in, he'd be like wearing like a taxi, you know, total slick like mobster suit uh-huh. and just slick back, you know, and totally chiseled features and shit. Wow. And, like and with like a penthouse model on each arm, uh, like <laughs> so far, you know, I seen him a lot of times, and he knew, you know, he knew me. So I was like, finally, like Johnny, what do you do for a living? Wow! <laughs> I worked up the courage, and uh, he's like, I fill vending machines. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, wow, sounds like it's pretty lucrative. <laughs> well, anyway, but um. That was a whole trip, you know, so that, because I had to get out of that college world into the real music world, because that's how it was done back in those days. If you wanted to be a jazz guy, you had to play, you didn't go to school, they didn't have schools. Berkeley was just starting up around that, uh-huh. or maybe, maybe it had been there earlier, but it, as a phenomenon. Right. You know, like Pat Metheny was from Kansas City, and he he ended up, I guess, teaching there, you know, when he was young. He's like a prodigy, you know. Yeah. I heard him play, and he just, like, blew my jaw off, you know. Mm-hmm. He was just great. And, um, and I would say he sort of sums up that whole Kansas City scene, like how vibrant and fertile it was. And how corny it was too. Yeah, you know? <laughs> you know, you can hear that in his playing too. Like oh, that, now he's that. now he's just now he just he just marched it out. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. You know about the new oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. The new record where he does uh, just, the, just, covers. Yeah, the covers yeah. record. And, and, and when you look at the covers, you're like, wow. Yeah, like it was it yesterday or something? Oh no, he, and you no, no, he you does a Beatles tune. You got to look at the list of covers. And actually, but my favorite thing about it is the way that he's approaching it. Because actually, if you watch him the way that he's playing those mm. tunes on guitar, it looks. It doesn't only look, but it sounds just really emotional. Like it's totally impressionism. Yeah, like, right, he right. Bother to do anything other than his uh, or, or sound, you get the feeling that he didn't do anything other than his, really his impressions of the tunes that moved them you know which, uh, but uh, still there's some of the schmaltziest tunes in pop music right 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 <laughs> I would say that's a good that's a good description of you know where it was swinging and schmaltzy at the same uh-huh. time you know but there was some tenor sax guys like from the old days mm. the black guy I played with this guy right before I went to New York um, and he was total Ben Webster guy, and I don't even remember his oh. name. But they know him. He played with Rich Hill a lot, piano player. But um, he was just great, you know. It, that total sound like that they developed mm-hmm. back then, then John, maybe a little bit of Johnny Hodges stuff. That was more New York sound, mm-hmm. but um, whatever. It was it was it was very it was very fertile, and it was very melodic, you know, mm-hmm. very lyrical as well as rhythmic. But it didn't have the like the harmonic kind of sophistication of like New York and Boston, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and, and even like L.A. And, mm-hmm. 
at the time. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's just a generalization. There's not, you know, it's funny because harmonic and harmonic, like harmonic sophistication was, another, was a really live subject at that point. <laughs> right, right, right. And things were changing rapidly too. You know, there was the whole rock and roll world, and I loved that. You know, I totally loved all mm-hmm. that stuff. But anyway, so. There I was in Kansas City playing this gig, you know, for a few months, at the, you know, for about six months at this bar, and just having the time of my life. And mm-hmm. again, you know, every, everything's great. I mean, yeah. and I was, like, sad all the time, of okay. course. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. heartbroken and, you know, all that uh-huh. weepy yeah. shit that you go through. When, yeah, you know, an amazing time, but it's, yeah, this is awful. Yeah, <laughs> Awful, <laughs> yeah, Watch, these things feel good, and so you know, one thing you know, I there's personal stuff that happened, and blah blah, and 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 I ended up, um, well, I ended up kind of lost, lost in the in the in the ozone cosmosis, you know, for a while, and and I met somebody who said, well, you should go out to, you know, um. Out to the Northwest, you know, you should go to this school that's just starting called Evergreen State. You went to Evergreen? It, yeah. Okay. And I, and I was just reading Another Roadside Attraction by yeah, yeah, right. Tom Robbins mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And it was like so cool. I'm like, I'm going there. And my parents are like, what the f- <laughs> It's funny. I did an interview with Anthony Cuccia this morning. He brought up the Tom Robbins novel. I'm not really Wow, sure. that's yeah, funny. Yeah, that's yeah. funny. Well, Tom Robbins <laughs> is a musical writer, man. He uh, can definitely very lyrical. Yeah, I read some of the books. Cat, I read the, the Woodpecker book and the, the Perfume, the one about New Orleans, which is pretty funny. Right. A couple of the others, I think. Well, so I went out there. I went out to Olympia and went to school for a year there. Mm. And um, that was that was that was great. I mean, but once again, I dropped out. And I put this guy Carl got me to at the end of that year. I was going to drop out, and he's like, "Why don't you come and play at the Renaissance Fair in Eugene?" Like. With with the Flying Karamazov brothers and really? and, and Reverend Chumley, yeah, and I'm like, what what are you talking about? And he's like, just come with me. I want you to be the drummer. And I'm like, what what? Yeah. And, then, <laughs> and yeah, right. And it was this like total anarchy circus vaudeville uh. shit going on and. You know, Reverend Chumley, he's like this this flaming zucchini. He was like this shaman, like back in uh-huh. those days. It kind of, you know, he's like back when there was still a forest <laughs> and forest sprites and all that shit. Wow, wow, wow. And he's, you know, anyway. So at Evergreen, it, Evergreen was like a sort of design your own program. Yeah, 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 yeah. What were you I, designing? I remember I took, well, I took communications within and without. It's like this will get me a job on Wall Street. Yeah, (laughs) this will be good for pre med. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. And and it, you know, um, um, and I just had to get out of there. I, I like went up to this Jesuit like Guatemalan guy that taught there. He great guy, Cruz Esquivel, great Uh, piano player. You know, smart. You know, to, and I'm like, well, if I study with you, what will you teach? Te- you know, what what do you have to offer? And he's like, freedom, man, freedom. 
<laughs> you get to do whatever you want to do. And I'm like, get me to Oxford. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to fucking Oxford. Man, I can't take it anymore. Uh. <laughs> so I go and play that this Renaissance Fair freak out. It's like this totally weird, ex- totally mind-blowing experience. Uh. And, and I stay in Eugene for two years and play with Tommy and the Snake. Uh, and Tommy is Tommy um, Kim. Now he changed his name. Her, 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 I forget what it is. His back to his original Japanese name. Because um, he'd taken a Korean name because his dad was in the Japanese army. And uh, he relocated to Norman, Oklahoma. And so he grew up and, and he was like, he was kind of like a, prisoner of you know Japanese who joined with the American mm-hmm. army and so he's like Japanese guy raised to took a Korean name to disguise the mm-hmm. Japanese and then um raised in a country and western environment so he like sang, you knew all the country and western you know root stuff wow. like like Carter family and so this is what and, you were doing at that yeah, yeah, and then he did Hank, and then he just then he did R and B. He did like you you're know, playing an Olympia, playing jo- John Lee yeah. Hooker tunes, and yeah, yeah, and, and no, in Eugene, I had moved Eugene. to Eugene. You moved to Eugene. Yeah, and then but we went all over Oregon for two years, okay. and, and and it was like playing in honky tonks, and uh-huh. I, and see, I was raised with this whole jazz elitism of like mm-hmm. country and western is stupid. And, uh-huh. And for Hicks and all that stuff. And and so I always hated it. But once I started being around those people and playing the music, it was just great. It was so fun. But it, one, it was kind of, it was, you know, as you can imagine, it was pretty stultifying, too. So, um, and I was always, like, throwing bebop licks in when I could. And, it, you know, and, fi- and finally, like, the situation just became intolerable. And then... It, the, my living situation, various reasons, but basically my parents came out and kidnapped me. And, oh, really? And, and brought me back. Not exactly, but pretty much. Like, they just came out and went, you're coming with us, you know, you're not living in this, okay, playing well. in these fucking uh, dives in Oregon for the rest of your life. Uh-huh. You're going to make something of yourself. Wow. Yeah, so I went and I was ready. I'm like, okay, thanks, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I come back, you know, and go see Benny Udell, my old teacher, and he's like, we're going to get you a nice middle-class country club gig. Oh, wow. You know, enough of that bullshit. Uh, you went, <laughs> all this stuff. Uh, so, um, but I hooked up with, you know, with my old girlfriend at the time. She was going to the Kansas City Art Institute, which is like, totally a cool thing in the middle of Kansas City. It's like this art monastery. Mm-hmm. It was totally happening back in those days. I uh-huh. guess it still is. But, um, and she went to New York. She went to Parsons. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, and I was, I was staying back in Kansas City, but I kept visiting her. And this was like in the late 70s. I went back and forth a few times, and I was just like, "New York is so happening," you know. It was right after the mm-hmm. the um, bankruptcy, and that's when New York was supposed to be really dangerous and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was, 
pretty dangerous. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like here. It's like mm-hmm. New Orleans. You know, you, if you know, you know, you got to keep your wits about you. Mm-hmm. You have to know where, where to, you know, that mm-hmm. whole thing. Mm-hmm. Urban intelligence, you know. Yeah. It's like, yeah. and, and, you know, it doesn't save you all the time, but most of the time, you know. Um, but it was happening, man. There was such electricity of that whole punk scene and the new wave scene. And so this is what was happening in Kansas City. In, in New, no, this in is New York. what was happening in New York when I was visiting her. And she oh, was at Parsons and I you know, all those art people. And I'm like, okay, I'm fucking moving to New York. Great, okay. Okay. Uh, and so, so I did. So what did you what were you see? What were you what were you seeing there? What was going on in the art scene, the punk scene? Now let's get a little more. Oh uh, well, I saw James Chance. You know, just I didn't even know who he was. James White and the Blacks. You know, I, I have no idea. You don't know? No. Well, it, somebody just took me to this concert at at Haraz, which is near where the Lincoln Center shit is now, and um, and it was just it, it was like total like punk. But it was more like new wave, you know. If you were in New York, like no wave or whatever they mm-hmm. called it, mm-hmm. and, and he had like Lester Bo- or James Bowie's band, you know, Burn Nicks was in it. I didn't know him at the time. Uh-huh. You know, he had this great black band like Ornette Funk kind uh-huh. of shit and Funk Punk. You know, yeah. I guess they were calling it back then. Uh-huh. And and he was like this guy who couldn't play, who like would go into the audience and start punching people out. And the audience people would go up on stage and go, well, what the fuck? And he'd be like, fuck it. And then the security guards would throw the guy off. You know, and I'm like, what's and going yet, on? And then he played these sax solos, like, woo, woo, woo. <laughs> you know, I'm like, this motherfucker can't play a note to save yeah. his life. And here he's playing with all these, like, you know, yeah. like, hardcore funk, you know, uh-huh. cats. And what is going on? Uh-huh. You know, shit like that would go on all the time. I mean, I saw this people playing on the street uh, this guy arthur rames was playing on the street and he's like legendary in new york his jazz history uh-huh. like vernon reed talks about him a lot you know uh-huh. and he was just a phenomenal prodigy and he would and he was crazy and he would just play on the street with various bands he's a guitar and, player no he's a sax player well he actually i think he played a whole bunch of instruments okay, what's his name? arthur rames okay he died of aids like, um, very young, you know. Um, but he, he was just, but you know, so the point is, like, I would just be walking around New York and I'd go, man, you know, Arthur Rains, I didn't know it at the time. It's like, if this guy's playing on the street, who's playing in the clubs? Uh-huh. You know? Right. Wow. <laughs> it's like hearing, like, you know, Dizzy Gillespie out on the corner. It's uh-huh. like, well, if he's playing on the street, who's playing, Who the hell's got who's the playing at yeah. Birdland? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's, so, anyway, shit like that. And, and there was a lot of family businesses. You know, it was, mm-hmm. it was before the, all the mall shit and... There was so much energy in that Jewish thing, like the yeah. literary st- influence was mm. huge. You know, there was a huge reading culture, bookstores everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was just lots of artists left over from the fifties and sixties. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, and and carrying on that legacy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like and just just you know. And then I got I got into the publishing business. You know, mm-hmm. to, to make money, and from there got into writing. 
So, in, in, and, but all the while, I, so I went to school, I finished school at City University in okay. New York at, at, through Hunter. Oh, really? Yeah, I got my BA. You got your BA, okay. And, then you and got... I was playing in all these bands. What was your BA finally in? Well, I made it up. I, I went through the, oh, they had this special program. It was, it was like evergreen, yeah, evergreen influence. <laughs> it was, I switched my major from communication in and communication out to a communication breakdown. <laughs> yeah, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was the history and philosophy of social science. Okay. Wow. Well, right. Um, and and like just trying to put together what what all they all have in common like uh-huh. anthropology, sociology, psychology, economics, politics, right. you know all that stuff, all the soft sciences, uh-huh. you know, trying to get it up or so, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> all the impotent sciences, uh-huh. you know. <laughs> But um, no respect me, respect. Me. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but look at my beautiful econometric model. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, and and where the boundaries are, and where the you know, yeah. it's like anthropology is like okay, studying those backwards people. Sociology studying the forward people. That's <laughs> you know? Right, you know, shit yeah. like that. But, you know, I made it up, you know, because I was, like, hanging on by my fingernails. I was, like, playing all the time. I was, like, working, and I was going to... But you could do that in New York, you know? There was so much, like, energy and shit, you know, if you were into it. So that was great. And I um, I ended up staying there for 15 years. And in about the mid-'80s, I ran into uh, this girl I was was seeing. Mm -hmm. Like, she's like... I met Burn Nix, mm-hmm. you know, at this party, and uh-huh. he's like, yeah, why don't you come and try out for the street theater band? We, this thing they do every summer, um, it was theater for the new city, street theater, okay. they would go all, like 18 spots around the city, like Jamaica, Queens, South Bronx, like, wow. you know, Tompkins Square Park. So you knew about you know, this, this and, project anyway already? Uh, no, I didn't, I never heard of it. And so Burn just said, "Yeah, yeah." He was like, "I'm playing in this band, you know, the house band for this street theater thing." And it uh-huh. was like, you know, some good cats, like you yeah. know, some like I, I had a Patience Higgins was in the band. He's uh-huh. like, a, you know, well-known studio kind yeah. of cat in New York, and you know, I mean, there, yeah. it was great. It in the cast was like really total multi-culty, you know, people from all over the city, great singers, like. 1520 singers and it was it was like political satire okay it was like satirizing reagan every year you know so we're in the 80s now yeah okay yeah and and so i did that for three years you know like once vernon reed sub sub for burn Mm -hmm. you know and that kind of thing okay and and so it was all social satire and what was the methods and what were the performances like what 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 it was it was kind of like you know it was totally unique, you know. Someday that story's gonna be told, you know. Um, Crystal Field, who was the writer and director, you know, mm-hmm. she she had this theater, mm-hmm. theater for the new city, with George Bartenyev, who's a legendary cat. I think he's the guy who did the one of the old men on the Muppets, you know, the voice. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not sure. Waldorf story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But um, but they wrote this thing every every year, and it was like always on topical shit, uh-huh. you know, like 
you know, like just it's fun, really funny slapstick kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. then she'd write these songs, and like the guy, one of the years, a guy from Pump Boys and Dinettes wrote the music mm-hmm. for it. So it was a big thing. I mean, mm-hmm. the singers were great. Mm-hmm. And the music was really cool, too. But it was very, you know, it was just like Commedia dell'arte kind of pratfall kind of shit. And, uh-huh. But, but uh, you know, a plot, you know, and great voice. It was, it was really fun. But anyway, so through this playing this theater thing, I hooked up with William. And, and then he, yeah, oh, yeah, Byrne was like auditioning mm-hmm. basically trying to get, and William joined. Okay. So, so we started this trio in like 85. Uh-huh. And and how are audiences? Do you, let's let me. This is, try, I'm trying to understand how the audiences responded to. Okay, well, obviously the punk stuff had a big response, and like you said, those kind of things that were going on, there'd be a room full of people for that. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, and there was a lot of um, after hours kind of post, like or net kind of stuff going on, like uh-huh. Butch Morris was happening and. You know, post prime time. Yeah, prime time stuff. You know, but this stuff was there's shit going on like at the after hours clubs, like this jazz stuff, like Jamil Moondock, and mm-hmm. you know they'd be playing, you know, just in these weird venues on the Lower East Side yeah. or in the East Village, and I mean that, it's interesting because this is around, uh, you know, yeah, this is like the post loft area. Yeah, like I guess is what you would describe stuff it like as. This and, and, but it's, I mean, it, it's interesting for me because these are records that I was in love with. Was this shit. I mean, Ben Elman and I were sitting around in Santa Cruz, waiting for the Joseph Bowie record. Right, you know, right, right. These guys, right. like you know, like what is? Yeah, know, right. That's yeah, that's, that's it. it. So exactly that's so that's we have, have that in common too. Yeah, away from the drizzle out. Because there was a blending of of the. Of that punk ethos and, yeah. you know, and like that kind of thing where like, you know, when you hear Jamil, he kind of sounds out of tune, but that's really, but he want he's going, playing what he wants to. It's like mm-hmm. that post Dolphy kind of thing. It's like where you aren't playing a fucking tempered scale, you know, you're playing like hard melodic kind of Yeah, scales. and people had, uh, you know, you know, a, a, and, a, you know because I don't want to be bourgeois and all that stuff, you know, uh-huh. people were like, you didn't want to be bourgeois in New York. Yeah. You know, that's for the bridge and tunnel crowd. Yeah. You want to be, you know, New York is like, man, we're on the cutting edge, man. We got to come up with some shit, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like they sit around and go, we got to come up with some shit. They, the people that go there come up with shit, you know? They're like, yeah, I'm and that's doing this. learning the political lesson. And there's a, well, there's support, there was support for it. You uh-huh. know? This is interesting. This is what I really am getting to is that, okay, so this is interesting. So. So there's support. So how are people taking? Like I mean, okay, like you go out to play with guys, with guys like Burn. Uh, clearly, people had to come up with, with this language and this style, and it had to be cutting edge. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. No. Right, right. Was there a break right? And and and, and and who's and Arthur Blythe and that, oh, that yeah, yeah. stuff. You My know? favorite stuff. This is the third record. I remember this is the most yeah. Record. And I the saw him. I I loved. Yeah, I loved his like, records, whoa. and then I saw him, and it was like great, 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 great. 